Now, you know, with a roll in like that, we got to do something special to follow that up. So in honor of our Too Legit to Quit series, we thought we would have a live interview with that famous rapper himself, MC Hammer. Hammer, are you there? Too Legit to Quit. Too Legit. Too Legit to Quit. Oh, yeah. Too Legit. Okay, okay, wait. Wait a minute, I'm confused. Um, you're not the rapper that I was expecting to interview. Yo, fool, what are you talking about? I've got the biggest rap single in history. In fact, my song was nominated for a Grammy, but lost to that fool's song, You Can't Touch This, Dog, or something. I, I'm not very good at this. Who are you? Aren't you like that one-hit wonder? Uh, what was that song? Baby got back? Baby something? Baby. No, let me uh let me set you straight, dog. Here we go. MC, kick it. I'm gonna show you how it's done. Your church members aren't gonna be able to stay in their seats when I start. Oh yeah. You ready? Yo, VIP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I recognize you. You're, you're vanilla ice, right? Vanilla. Oh, no, no. It's just ice. You know, Prince went from Prince to the artist formerly known as Prince and, and back to Prince, I think. And then Puff Daddy went to P. Diddy and then just Diddy. And now he's plaintiff number one or something. Anyway, I'm just ice. You know, maybe I'll go with vanilla. What do you think, Doug? Or maybe Nilla. Wafer boy. What do you like that one? Wafer. Okay, that's enough wafer boy. I don't think you can really help us. No, no. Hey, while I'm here, I got some advice for the band. You know, it's all about your public appearance. They sound fly and all, but the look, they need to work on the look. Like that drummer back there. He needs a new look. You know, I got my publicist on it. Here, check this out. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, uh, that's enough. Uh, we have your number. We'll be in touch. Our people call your people. Word to your mother. What? Your, your mother. Her name's Bess, right? Word to Bess. Okay, no, really. Thanks for joining us. Really, that's enough. Oh, well, I just remember at the end of the song, it was something like ice, ice, baby. Okay, that's enough. Vanilla, that's enough. ice, that's ice, ice word to Bess. Word to Bess. Okay. Uh, we'll work on it next week and try to get the, the, the real uh, MC Hammer here to join us. Um, all right. Following that, let's talk about commitment. Let's talk about things in our lives that really are too legit to quit. Um, back in 1924, George Lee Mallory, probably hadn't heard of him. He was a British school teacher, and he decided he was going to climb the as-yet-unconquered peak of Mount Everest. And when a reporter from Time Magazine asked him, why do you want to do that? It's that famous reply, why do you want to climb that mountain? Because it's there. Pretty good reason. On June 8th, the 38-year-old father of three young children 
and his uh, climbing partner, Andrew Irvine, were last sighted trudging up Mount Everest for this great uh, climb up to the peak. Seventy-five years later, in 1999, they found his perfectly preserved body on the mountain of uh, on, on Mount Everest. And uh, this discovery reignited this big public discussion about, well, I wonder if Mallory was was the first one to reach the summit or Irvine. Did they reach the summit? Um, because if they did, it would have happened 29 years earlier than uh, the guy named Hillary, Sir Edmund Hillary. You may have heard about him. He's got all the tents, you know, Hillary equipment. If you see it in some of the magazines, Hillary is a famous name. And so if if um, Mallory was the first one to get up there, then surely he would get credit for that. Right. Because that's a worthy goal to uh, climb Mount Everest. But his son put it in perspective, his son that he left behind. He said, to me, the only way you achieve a summit is to come back alive. The job is only half done if you don't get down again. So who cares if he's the first man to climb Mount Everest and make it to the summit? Who cares? He didn't come back alive. He sacrificed his life um, in order to achieve a goal that was worthless. It didn't matter to anyone. History judges him a failure. And his son judges him a failure as well. And that, that's pretty sad to me. And he was a failure not because he was committed to climbing, but because he was committed um, to climbing to the point that it cost him his life and he was no longer around to help out with his three small children. Some things in life are too legit to quit. Other things we really got to realize are a waste of time. And if we're going to somehow figure out which ones we should stay with and which ones we should um, give up, then we've got to understand what commitment is. And that's what we're going to talk about today and next week. So let's define commitment right now. Here it is. Commitment means to pledge myself to a position no matter what the cost. To pledge myself to a position no matter what the cost. Was Mallory committed? <laughs> sure. Cost him his life. Climb that mountain no matter what the cost. And it, he was committed to the wrong thing and it killed him. And so the question then becomes, why is it so hard for us to commit to the right things? Um, have you ever thought about why professional athletes need coaches? Professional football players, why do they need a coach? Tiger Woods, why does he need a coach? Um, tennis players, why do they need coaches? Because left to their own desires, and we are the same way, left to our own desires, we will not commit to the right things. We'll commit to other things that aren't the right things. Tom Landry once said it this way. He said, my job is to get grown men to do what they don't want to do so that they can achieve what they've always wanted to achieve. In other words, he was saying, my job as a coach is to get people to commit to the right things and, and cut out some of the wrong things so they can go where they always want to go. We are too much into traveling the path of, of least resistance when it comes to committing to the right things. And that's why we could all share something that we've quit, because um, we go to comfort and convenience when we're left to ourselves. Well, so today we're going to talk about commitment and we're going to talk about what does God want from me? First big question we're going to look at today is what does God want from me? And he wants us to be committed to the right things. And if you read the Bible... There is no way you can get through the Bible without uh, summarizing what God wants from you in three simple words. Here it is. If you didn't know what God wanted from you, when you leave today, I want you to know what God wants from you. Your whole life. My whole life. That's what God wants. He wants my whole life. 
There's not one single verse in the Bible that says you can be a Christian and live any way you please. God wants all of you. He doesn't want 10%. He doesn't want 50%. He doesn't even want 99% of you. He wants all of you. Look at Romans 6.13. Give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life. And use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. I want you to circle two words in, in that verse on your listening guides. Completely and whole body. Completely and whole body. I guess that's three words. Christianity is an all or nothing deal. C.S. Lewis said this. The one thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. If it's true, then it ought to affect every area of our lives. If Christianity is not true, then we're wasting our time. You shouldn't even be here right now. You should be doing something else that's more important. The only thing that Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Now, it's either all true or none of it's true. And lots of folks are sitting on the fence and they're saying, I just don't know what God wants from me. Well, (laughs) look at Deuteronomy 10, 12. Here it is. This is what the Lord your God wants you to do. Can it get any clearer than that? Here's what he wants you to do. Respect the Lord your God and do what he has told you to do. Love him. Serve the Lord your God with your whole being. Lots of folks are just sitting on the fence and they're saying, I'll serve God in my spare time. As if their lives were like this pie graph. As if you could just section off your life. Okay, I got my my family section here. I got social, recreation, career, God, sex life. Now, unless you're a guy, if you're a guy, it kind of looks like this, sex, and then all the other things. Um, that, is not, that is not the way it is. God says that he wants to be a whole part of your life. So, so let's just get rid of the pie graph. Let's just get rid of that. That's not the way we should build our lives. God created you as spiritual beings. Now, I, I worked on this, and I don't know if you can see it. I actually had these nice little letters, but you couldn't see them, so now we turned it around. Now, here's the deal. God says... He creates you as a spiritual being. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to have a relationship with him. And if you'll get the foundation right, then everything else in your life will go well. The second part is the relational life. So God says, take care of the spiritual. (laughs) Thank you. God says, take care of the spiritual. And then you can work on relationships. We always talk about in marriage series, we talk about that word, and we're going to use this back in the spring when we do a marriage series, but that word submit, the dreaded S word, submit. Because women are like, I ain't submitting to him. But here's the deal, guys. If you will submit to God, if you'll get your spiritual life right, I've never met a woman who had any trouble submitting to a man who was submitted to God. And we'll talk about that more. But you get the spiritual right. You've got a foundation. Then you can begin to work on the relation. And every relationship in your life will be better if your spiritual life is the way it should be. I'm paying attention this time. I'll get the right letters for you. Just can't get it on the dial rod. Vocational life. Here's the last piece of the puzzle. The pyramid. If you'll build your life like this, you'll have a sturdy foundation. But what do we do? We build our lives like this. We do everything we can to get a good job and to make the most money that we can. And we even, guys, when we introduce ourselves, a lot of times, if you're at a a party fellowship or something, somebody will say, what do you do for a living? And guys, a lot of times, we, our identity is wrapped up in how we make money. Oh, well, I'm this and I'm this. And, And we try to build our lives like this. Is it any wonder that our lives fall apart? Because God never intended for you to build it vocation and then relationships and then spiritual life. As if spiritual life didn't matter. God says build it like this 
and you'll be able to stand the test of time. So let's talk a little bit more about these commitments. Jesus told us that no one can serve two masters. He says you can't serve both God and money. And what he's really talking about is you can't have two number one priorities in your life. Um, You don't get to um, have several number ones and then two, three, four, and five. You don't get to have... uh... (laughs) Have you ever seen somebody that was happily married to two wives? No. Let me just help you out there. Solomon, you know, had 300 wives and 700 concubines. Bad idea. Bad idea. You get to have one number one priority in your life. There should be not one human relationship that is higher than all others. That's that's your relationship to your spouse if you're married. And uh, we have problems when we get that out of out of uh, whack. God says he wants to be number one. And here's the deal. You know, the, the popular show now is deal or no deal. Here's the deal. God says today, and this is what I'm going to challenge you to do. Deal or no deal with God today. God says he will offer you adoption as his child. He'll offer you peace, protection, provision, a home in heaven. And those are just a few of the benefits to the child of God. But he says in order to get all of that, you got to give up your life. So the question really is, what's going to be my first priority? What's going to be my number one in my life? There's nothing wrong with any of those other things. You know, it's nothing wrong with setting goals. Um, they're all good things. Family, career, saving for retirement. Those are all good things. And God approves of them except in first place. When we get them messed up, that's when our lives get messed up. God says, I want to be number one. Anything in your life that is number one, that is not God, the Bible calls that an idol. And that's an abomination to God to have anything above him. And your life's going to be jacked. Because you're not built the way God told you to build it. Now, I'm telling you this today because I'm concerned about your future. If I live long enough, the reality is that I'm probably going to do the funerals of some of the people sitting here today. I've been to a lot of funerals. I've done a lot of funerals. um, And I've decided there's basically two types of funerals. There are good funerals and there are bad funerals. Good funerals, you get to celebrate someone's life. Did this of uh, an 80-something-year-old woman a couple of years ago. Got to celebrate her life. She was incredible. Talked about her love of God. And actually didn't even have this image in my mind, but this is what we talked about. We talked about how God was number one in her life, and her relationships were incredible. People would come to see her. She was in a nursing home, and you left having seen this woman feeling better about life because she was just so positive, praying all the time. She said, I can't do much. I can't get up out of my wheelchair, but I can pray for you. I was sad to see the lady die because I know she said, I pray for you and your family every day. She'd always hug me. She did it right. And we celebrated her life. Bad funerals. You talk about golf and decorating. Now, there's nothing wrong with golf and decorating, but if someone's given three minutes To summarize your contribution to their lives and all they can come up with golfing stories? Come on. That's not what I want people to say at my funeral. And I don't think it's what you want them to say at your funeral. You see, what we're talking about is commitments because commitments determine your legacy. You're committed to golf. That's what your kids are going to talk about. My dad was committed to golf. You're committed to your family. They'll stand up at your funeral and they'll talk about that. One day Jesus was walking in Jerusalem and a man came up and Jesus said to him, follow me. And the man said, "Okay, I'll follow you. But first, let me go take care of some things so that that they're really urgent and I need to take care of these things. 
there's a problem there. Because he said, Lord, me first. Lord, let me first. You can't use those words in the same sentence. Because he's if, if he's your Lord, you don't get to say, me first. If he's your Lord, you don't get to say, no. Those two words cannot go together in the same sentence. If God is your boss. You don't get to say, okay, you're my Lord. I get to have all the benefits of being a Christian. But let me first do this. Doesn't work that way. God says, no, that's not the deal. Here's a little secret. If you put God first, he'll take care of everything else. Is there any place that you're putting yourself first or someone else first or anything first other than God? Because look what he says. Proverbs 3, 6. In everything you do, put God first and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. I kind of imagine everybody in here would like to be described as a success. Well, the Bible tells you how. Put God first in everything. The problem is, a lot of people are, are doing Christianity part-time. The Bible describes the, the, the church as the bride of Christ. Have you been casually dating the bride of Christ? God says that doesn't work. You don't get the life I offer you if you're casually dating my bride. And by the way, if you say bad things about the bride of Christ, you're probably not very close to God himself. Because if you say bad things about my bride, we're not going to be close because I like her. You understand that? So we've got to we've got to be committed to the church, the bride of Christ. And God wants all of you. Question number two. First is, what does God want? He wants all of you. Question number two is, what does it take? Well, you can probably guess commitment. That's sometimes a, a dirty word to some of us. Commitment. Be committed. When you think about all the things that I've quit in my life. You know where you're committed? In the areas you want to be. <laughs> um, the things that are important to you, you'll get done. What if you were as committed to reading your Bible every day as you are to not missing that television show that you like so much? Ah, Not supposed to meddle. Okay, we'll move on. What if you were as committed in serving others as you were in getting up and going to work every day? Oh, come on, Doug. What if some folks were as committed to church, just attending church, as they are in playing games, their favorite games or their favorite hobby, or talking on the telephone? There's, there's another word for commitment that you might like better. It's called habits. Habits are... are are commitments. Same word. And you are the sum total of your habits in life. How do you start a new habit? Well, it takes about 30 days to start a new habit. Maybe you need to start today and say, I'll be committed in some areas. And you'll get an opportunity to do that. Look at Hebrews 12.1. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. I want you to circle two words there. Weight and sin. Weight and sin. Two things that hold you back from being who God wants you to be. And you know what sins are. That's doing something that God told you not to do or not doing something that God told you to do. That's sin. And you, uh, we all know that that offends God and that that's going to hinder our relationship with God. But what are weights? Weights, they're something, they're not necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. A weight could be a relationship, an activity, an expectation, a club you're a member of, a memory you can't let go of, fear, job, any of those things. And in order to grow, the Bible tells you that you're going to sometimes have to say no. You can't keep cramming things in your life without taking some things out of your life. 
And uh, many times you'll have to say no to those good things in order to get the best things in life. Because you will become what you're committed to. So, that brings up the question, what am I supposed to be committed to? You've got to be committed to the big three. And this is on your listening guide, the big three. The first one right here. Go ahead and tell you. Spiritual commitments. The Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, you want to know where a person's heart is? Listen to what they talk about and how they talk about it. Listen to their tone of voice. Listen... Uh, um, listen to the passion in their voice when they're telling you about something they enjoy. Several of us were out at the uh, River Run Park yesterday. Oh, my goodness, I got the fever. We had so much fun riding four-wheelers, and we only got like one-tenth of the place. We kept going through these things, and we had a blast. Came home. Janie calls me because she didn't get to go out there. She was, she was doing some other stuff. So she calls me. I can't stop talking about it. She doesn't even get to tell me. I'm like, oh, you should have seen this. You should have seen this. And she's like... Maybe we should go out there again. <laughs> I said, yes. I was excited because it was a blast. And we're going we're gonna to do everything we can to go out there again soon. You'll discover what people are passionate about by the way they talk about things. Some of you, I will say this, some of you are passionate about the church. I hear you talking about the church and you're like, man, you've got to come check it out. A lot of you have come here because someone else was passionate about this church and said, you've got to come check it out. I know a lot of folks in life. I meet a lot of folks that aren't passionate about their churches. We will do everything we can if we have to interview Vanilla Ice every week just to get you to come to say, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Just to have you have just to in order for you to have a little fun, then we'll do that. And that's why we do the things that we'll do. Psalm 37 5 says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Did you know that there's actually two ways to get to heaven? And let that sink in, because some of you have been in church like, well, no, there's not. <laughs> well, yeah, actually there is. One way, plan A, is to live a perfect life. So that when you stand before God, you say, I deserve to get in because I was perfect. Now, you've got to think this through. If you're going to be perfect, you can never say a harsh word to anybody. In fact, you can't even think it. You know, because we've talked about this that, you know, well, he may say the word, but you probably thought it. You just didn't say it. You know, well, that's better not to say it. So don't go out and say, Doug said, I might as well just go ahead and say it. If I'm No, that's not what I'm saying. But if you even think a harsh word towards someone else, if when you're driving, someone cuts you off and you call them an idiot. I am so bad about that. Look at that idiot. My kids are repeating it. Rachel the other day said that. That's a dipstick right there. I'm going, <laughs> See, I can't go to heaven on my own because I call people dipsticks and idiots when I'm driving. None of you. None of you have ever cut me off. You can't salute that other driver, you know, with the one finger salute. You can't do that if you're going to be perfect and go to heaven. You can't even think it. Because a lot of you had never done it, but you thought about it. So, that's the plan A. You've got to be perfect in order to get to heaven. Plan B is God's plan. It's called the grace plan. God looked down and he said, I love people. I created them. I love them so much that I will send my son to do for them, for them what they can't do for themselves. I'll watch him live a perfect life. And then I'll watch my son die on a cross so that they 
If they'll accept Him, if they'll commit their lives to Him, they can have eternity in heaven. I will adopt them as my child. I will give them grace and peace and provision and protection and all those things if they'll commit to my Son. Now, we were talking about this this week. How many of you would watch your son die for the sins of the people in this room? Don't ask me to do it. Because I love you. But I couldn't watch my son die for you. It's exactly what Christ did. God sent Christ to die and he watched his son die. And so that's why he can say Christianity is an all or nothing deal. It cost me my son. So if you want what I've got to offer, it costs you your life. Some people are all jacked up because they're like, oh man, if I give my life to God, He'll send me to Africa. And I'll have to go be a missionary in, in Zambia. God will never call you to do something that you won't love doing. But don't think you can casually date His bride and get all of the benefits. It does not work that way. So you want what God has to offer. You want to build your life on what the Bible says is right. You want to build your life on the only one who ever raised from the dead never to die again. Then you got to do it like God says. It costs you everything. Now, some of you today need to commit your lives to Christ. You've never done that. You've never asked God to be the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life. And today is the day for you to do that. Some of you have done that. You've asked Christ to come into your life, but you've never been baptized. And, and let me just tell you this. Baptism doesn't save you, but baptism is an act of obedience. And don't tell me you're committed to Christ if you bail at the first sign of commitment and obedience when He says, I want you to be baptized. Baptism publicly tells everyone else that you are a follower of Christ. And back in the day, right after Jesus was killed... And raised from the dead? Back in that day, to be baptized, you didn't have a horse trough sitting in the back of the church like we have. Back in the day, you went out to the Jordan River. And being baptized in the Jordan River was very public. It was a spectacle. And that could cost you your physical life. And people lined up to do it. Because they said, if Jesus would die for me, I'll gladly stand up publicly and give my life to Him. And if you want to be baptized, put that on the back of your registration card today. We'll do one next Sunday morning, right after church. Before we carve pumpkins. Because God says, you want what I have to offer, it costs you everything. Some of you need to commit your life to this church to become a member. You know why membership is important? Number one, it helps you grow. It helps you be accountable. I was talking to folks about accountability yesterday. It helps you be accountable. But it also shows who we can depend on. Family members are the ones who commit them, their lives to, to the church. And, and membership is a biblical idea. We won't ever ask you to do something that the Bible doesn't ask you to do. We won't ask you to do more than the Bible asks you to do. Some of you need to commit to a place of service. You'll never grow as a person God wants you to be until you commit to serving. The Bible says that, that we're supposed to be like Christ. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. What was his attitude? It talks about the next seven verses say, He became a servant. He became obedient to death. Death on the cross. Your attitude should be the same as Christ. And if you're not serving somewhere, you're not going to grow to be the person God wants you to be because you're not being like Christ. Some of you need to commit to tithing. Oh, man. Here it comes. Just meddling today. Again, the Bible talks about tithing. 10% of your income. 
And, and I've heard people argue about whether is that pre-tax, post-tax, whatever. Most of the time when you're, when you're arguing about that, you're not close to 10% anyway, so it really doesn't matter. Um, we don't ask visitors to give at this church. We expect members to give. And the biblical requirement, actually the starting point, biblically, is 10%. So again, we won't ask you to do anything less than the Bible asks you to do. We won't ask you to do anything more than the Bible asks you to do. But when you commit to coming to this church and you go through class 101, by the way, there's a sign-up sheet for that back there. We teach you everything that we believe as a church. You'll be able to walk out of here with a booklet that says these eight core things we believe about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, sin, baptism, Lord's Supper. We teach you all of that in the class. It's a two-hour class. We we provide food for you. We watch your kids so that you can walk out knowing either, yes, I want to commit to this church or no, I don't want to commit to this church. We want it to be real clear before someone, because we'll ask you to sign a commitment card. That's a big word today. So some of you need to to commit to tithing. Some of you need to commit to membership. And um, the reason we do this is because the spiritual commitment is the foundation for your life. And if your life is not working the way that you're doing it right now, Try something different. If it's not working, maybe that's because you're not doing it God's way. Second commitment is relational commitment. Oh, man. Who do you run with? I remember my mama quoting me this verse and I didn't listen to it. And I got in lots of trouble. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. Or in, in the King James, bad company corrupts good morals. It's true. And we said earlier that, that habits is another word for commitments. So the verse could actually read, um, bad friends will ruin good commitments. In our parental guidance series, we talked about this. Parental guidance required. We talked about in our children's lives, there's certain relationships that we need to dial in. We need more of those relationships. There's certain relationships we need to dial out because they're just not right for our kids. What makes you think it's any different for adults? You want to be committed to your marriage? Hang out with people who are committed to their marriage. Hang out with people that say good things about their wives, not bad things about their wives. Hang out with people who are passionate about church. We've got to find folks to run with that encourage us towards God, not away, because it's hard in life doing the right things. We need some coaches around us that help us be committed to the right things. You know, in the Old Testament, one of the guys that we think of that that just was a failure, we think of that potential and he never reached his potential was Samson. You know what Samson's problem was? He was a he-man with a she-weakness, for one thing. But Samson's problem was he was always hanging out with the wrong crowd in the wrong places at the wrong times. And it cost him dearly. But another character we think about in the Old Testament that's a huge success is Daniel. You know the dude that hung out with the lions? Lions didn't eat him and they were all amazed. When they pull him out of the lion's den and the king is mad at the guys who tried to trick him and all that stuff, he throws those people in and all their families. And it says that they didn't even make it to the ground before the lions ripped them to shreds. So it wasn't just that the the lions weren't hungry. (laughs) God protected him. But long before the, the, the lion's den, you know who Daniel hung out with? The asbestos boys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These guys were commanded. This is just the height of arrogance, by the way. The king built this 90 foot gold statue and he said, when you hear this certain song, you're supposed to bow down 
I guess you had to stay down the whole song. I don't know. But you had to bow down. I'm going to build a 90-foot statue of myself, and I want you to bow to it. That just blows my mind. These guys refused to do it. They were the only ones in the kingdom who refused to do it. So the king got ticked off, and he said, I'll give you one more chance. When you hear this music, if you'll bow down, I won't kill you. And they said, well, our God is able to protect us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down, O king. <laughs> it's not what a king wanted to hear. So he has them heat up the furnace seven times hotter, so hot that when they throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, it says that the, the guards who pushed them there were immediately burned up. And the king looks in and he says, didn't we throw just three guys in there? And they said, yes. And he said, I see a fourth. And he looks like the son of the most high God. And here's the interesting thing. When they came out, he's like, okay, I get it. Come on out. It says that all of the officials that were with King Nebuchadnezzar gathered around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their clothes weren't singed. Their hair wasn't burned. They didn't even smell like smoke. I'm at River Run yesterday. And I walked by the barbecue pit. I didn't cook. Ryan cooked. I walked by the barbecue pit and I smelled like smoke the rest of the day. These guys were in a fiery furnace. They didn't smell like smoke because God protected them. Who were Daniel's best friends? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And we talk about these guys loving God and doing great things for God. Well, they hung out with the right type of people. My kids do not need bad influences in their lives. It's hard enough to do the right thing. When it comes to dating, the very first question, I did this in youth ministry, and I'm going to do this with my own children. The very first question will be, are they a Christian? Are they a committed Christian? Because a lot of people say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and you never see them around church. You never hear anything about God. I don't believe that they're really Christians. My kids, though, I'm going to say, we're not going to date folks that aren't believers, because it's hard enough to be pure when you're dating believers. So we've got to be committed there. The last one is vocational commitment. And we're done. Colossians 3.23 says, Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. That means God is your boss. And the problem is, we normally bail out of relationships and work and different things. We usually bail out right before a breakthrough. And I really think that's because God is waiting to see if we're going to be committed before He brings an answer. Because... If you know folks who are constantly bailing on friendships and marriages and, and, and the such, maybe the problem isn't other people after a while. Maybe, maybe we need to look in the mirror and, and, um, and judge ourselves first. All right, so if you want to be committed to the right things, two things. Here's, here's the suggestion. Number one, verbalize it. Verbalize your commitment. Thomas Edison, whenever he was going to invent something, he would hold a press conference and tell the world before he ever invented it. I'm going to invent the light bulb. And then he would, because he knew that would put pressure on him, accountability to do it. Then he'd go in and he would stay in his, his uh, invention shop until he got it done. Maybe that would help you if you verbalized it. I'm going to give you a chance to write it on the back of your card in just a minute, but I'm also going to challenge you to find somebody and say, here's my commitment. Hold me to it. Second thing is connect with other committed people. Don't hang out with negative people. Life is too short to hang out with whiners. I don't like it when my kids whine. I like it even less when people, adult people whine. <laughs> don't like to be around folks like that. 
God wants everything in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He doesn't ask you to clean yourself up. That's His job. He says, just come to me just like you are, and I'll do the rest. But you but you got to give your life to God. Take your um, registration.